keep talking, keep talking. All right, good morning. Man, we have more people than usual today. Can, can we get a better good morning? Good morning. All right, good morning to those of you here, and then also good morning to those of you um, who are with us online as well this morning. Welcome to Coastline. All right, before we get into God's Word this morning, we have quite a few announcements, and so I have a lot of things to talk to you guys about, share with you guys, and so first of all, if you would reach under your seat and grab that flyer underneath you. All right, right there in your hand, you guys hold an invitation to come back next Sunday. Um, next Sunday, in case you don't know, is our dedication Sunday. We moved into the space on Good Friday, the space that we're currently meeting in. And so what we want to do is we, wanna, we wanted to take a Sunday and just dedicate the space to the Lord. And obviously, just to say to the Lord, God, this is your space. And we want to give it back to you, whatever you want to do with it, however you want to use it for your glory. That's what we want to see happen. And so next Sunday, that's what this is about, coming out and as a family, as a church body, as people who um, believe and support the vision of Coastline coming together and collectively as a group, as a family saying, God, we want to offer this to you. And so I would encourage you guys, take the flyer, make sure you guys mark it on your calendars. I told you guys the past couple weeks, if there was a Sunday, if there was one Sunday, I would encourage you and almost beg with you to make sure that you're here. It would be next Sunday. Um, because I really feel like it's going to be just a wonderful time. It's going to be a blessing, and God is going to just, I believe, move and work here in this space. And then also, my pastor, Pastor Rob Stolfo from Calvary Chapel South Bay, is going to come out, and he's going to be the one to pray over the place and have a word of encouragement for us as a church body. So I, with everything in me, encourage you guys, grab the flyer, take it with you, mark it in your calendar, also, maybe grab somebody else's phone or calendar and mark it in their calendar, too, and tell them, um, your neighbor, friend, family, whoever it is, children, tell them, hey, come with me. You know, come with me to church next Sunday. All right, and then also want to let you guys know to also make time in your calendar next Sunday for after service because we're going to gather together out there in the parking lot and we're going to just have a time of fellowship and food and just celebration and just hanging out and just enjoying being together, okay? So make sure you guys mark your calendars for that. What's on the menu, some of you guys might be asking? Ribs, tri-tip, chicken, pulled pork, and bread, okay? So and all the sides and fixings that go with it. And so mark your calendars. Please come out. Real quick, you can't come to eat if you don't come to service, okay? So I, I, I won't turn you away, but I will give you a dirty look, okay? So Come to service, then stay after, okay? Don't mark your calendar for only 12 o'clock, but mark it for 1030. All right, got it? Stick it in your pocket, stick it in your Bible, mark it in your phone. Please make plans to join us. All right, other dates coming up. Some of the things that I want to let you guys know that's coming up. We're going to be having BBS, and so we've started a BBS um, committee, and so we formed a little team, a little planning committee for BBS, and so... We don't have a flyer for you guys yet, but we do have dates. We just locked them in this week. The dates for VBS, in case those of you with little ones are wondering, it's going to be the first week of August, starting when it's going to be Wednesday through Friday evenings, okay? 
So August the 4th through August the 6th. And so Wednesday through Friday, we're going to be here at the church and we're going to have um, BBS for our little ones. And so we'll get you guys more information, but just wanted you guys to get a heads up, start, start to get it on your calendar, let you guys know that we are going to be having BBS this summer and it's going to be August 4th through the 6th, Wednesday evening, Thursday evening, and Friday evening. All right, so we'll talk more about that. But if you are interested in being part of the planning committee for BBS, I encourage you guys to make your way over to Pastor Sam or his wife, Krishana. They're kind of heading up the planning for BBS. So talk to them if you guys want to be involved in that planning committee. All right, last thing before we get into God's Word this morning, grow groups. So we currently are going through this series called Let's Grow. Obviously, this series is going to be a, is sort of the launching point for our grow groups that are going to be coming. And I have some dates for you guys as well, just to kind of let you guys know what's going to happen. Our first time gathering as a Let's Grow community. Okay, let, let, let's just call it that. Um, we're going to be having a special night of worship that we're calling Growing in Worship, and that's going to be the last Sunday of this month, okay? So we're in June now, so Sunday, June 27th, we're going to be having a night that we're calling Growing in Worship, and then we're going to be having these Growing in Worship nights the last Sunday of every month leading up until August. So last Sunday of June, last Sunday of July, last Sunday night of August, and so if you want to really get to know and and understand what this thing called worship is. And think about this with me for a minute. We dedicate the beginning part of our service to worship. We, be, we dedicate the first 20 to 25 minutes of our service to worship. It's not just coming and hanging out. It's not just coming to have a Bible study, but we dedicate a good portion of what we do to worshiping God. And so those of you that want to get maybe a better biblical understanding of why we have that time and what it looks like and what it means. Maybe you see some weirdos in the front row with their hands up and you have no clue why, why they're doing that or what that means or are they super fanatical Christians and why am I not doing I mean, if you want to get a better understanding of what worship is, we're going to dedicate those nights to growing in worship. And so we're going to have worship, have a time of worship, song, praise, but we're also going to have a time of walking through the scriptures together with some guest worship leaders and getting a better understanding of what it looks like, what it means biblically to grow in worship. And so would you guys mark your calendars for that? And then I also want to let you guys know one last thing, that our official grow groups, they're going to begin right after 4th of July. And so that week right after 4th of July, we're going to be having grow groups. On Wednesday nights, we're going to be having our basic slash apologetics grow group and then we're also going to be having the youth on wednesday nights and so those of you with teenagers for us it was a perfect excuse to also get the parents okay so if you have teenagers we're gonna have a grow group for teens starting the first wednesday there in july and then also that same night we'll be having our basics grow group growing in knowledge or growing in the basics and then married couples um, we're still working on when our first date will be for marriage, but our Let's Grow Together um, group will be coming up in July as well. But just kind of want to let you guys know what's going on. All right, that's enough announcements. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me over to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 this morning? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 
All right, would you take a look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? Let's read verses 3 and 4 together this morning. Verses 3 and 4. It says in verse 3, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith and all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Real quick this morning, if you have a pen, pencil, highlighter, something that makes a line, there at the end of verse 3, this is what we're going to focus on. We're going to touch on where it says, the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Would you underline that there at the end of verse 3 this morning? The love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for this morning. Lord, I thank you for these who you've brought out here in person. God, also for those who are with us online. We pray that you would take, God, your word this morning, and would you speak to our heart. Lord, you know what we need to hear. God, you know what words of encouragement our soul desperately needs. And so I pray that you would take your word and pour into our minds and pour into our hearts the words of life. And so, God, we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right, if you haven't been with us, we're going through a series called Let's Grow. A few weeks ago, we started out the series by taking a look at, by talking about what it looks like, what it means to grow in grace. And then we went on to focus on the following week, talking about studying what it means to grow in knowledge. And if you were with us last Sunday morning, we left off by taking a look at what it means, what it looks like to grow in faith. If you're taking notes this morning, our title and the topic, the subject that we're going to tackle is growing in love. We're titling this message this morning, Growing in Love. Now that title, Growing in Love, I want to make sure that there's no confusion. Because when you hear the words, when you hear the phrase, growing in love, it kind of sounds like a romantic message. It kind of sounds like maybe those of you that are single this morning, you might think, man, I can tune out. This is not for me. Sounds like a marriage Bible study. And I know some of you guys, some of you wise might be thinking, yes, couples therapy. But, but listen, this is not what we're going to talk about. That's not the direction that we're going in when it comes to growing in love. I was thinking about it. Growing in love. Sounds like a marriage conference that your in-laws want to send you to, right? I mean, you know, they, they hear you arguing with their daughter, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to send you to growing in love. Okay, but anyways, I promise you that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. Growing in love also sounds like a marriage conference that every man in this room does not want to attend. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Okay, okay, man. It's, it's the conference that Arlen has spent his whole life, his whole marriage, trying to avoid, right? Because you just go and you know there's going to be flowers and petals and everything else. But anyways, this is not that message. 
the emphasis, the type of love that, it's funny, the men, I could tell you guys want to laugh, but your wives will kill you. So the type of love that we're going to focus on this morning has to do with us as a church body. The type of love that we're going to focus on this morning has to do with togetherness. It has to do with the person in front of you, beside you, behind you. It has to do with the person next to you who you know very well. It has to do with the person across the room who you barely say hello to. It has to do with every single one of us gathered together, every single one of us who calls themselves, who believes that they are a a part of the body of Christ, it has to do with every single one of us. Now, if the focus is not on marriage, if it's not on romantic love, what type of love are we talking about? Well, let me give you a few variants of this title real quickly this morning. You could easily call this message Growing in Fellowship. You could also call it Growing in Community. And you could also call it Growing in Togetherness. Would you go back with me to, with me to verse 3 this morning and let's start our text. It says in verse 3, We ought also or always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Now, if you weren't with us last Sunday morning, we covered the background, we covered the context of this verse. But I believe it's important for me to note this morning very quickly, what Paul is doing here in our text is he's commending the church in Thessalonica for two areas. There are two areas in which he's commending them. The first area there in verse 3, if you're taking notes, if you weren't here last Sunday morning, he's commending them because they've been growing in their faith. Paul had only spent about three weeks with this church, three Sabbaths with them, reasoning and talking them through the scriptures until persecution drove them out of the city. But while he was there, one of the things that happened was a church started to form. A group of people were coming to salvation in Christ, and a body began. Now, time has passed. Persecution has sent Paul away from the city, and yet Paul wants to know how this church is doing. What happened to those in Thessalonica, that little group that was beginning to form? So he sends Timothy to go and check on them. Timothy finds out. Timothy comes back and reports to Paul. And Paul hears that their faith is increasing. That their trust, their reliance upon God is going further and further. If you are with us last Sunday morning, you remember this word increasing or growing. It has to do with, in the Greek, the word stretching. Their faith had been stretched. While in the midst of persecution, while in the midst of affliction, hardship, they were being stretched in their faith. They were being pushed to limits and pushed to places and pushed to levels that they did not think their faith was was capable of stretching to. And so Paul gets word their faith is 
growing. But there at the end of verse 3, there's a second thing that Paul received. There's a second word that Paul gets back about this church. And it's that the love, notice with me in verse 3, the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So he says their faith is growing and their love is increasing. Specifically, their love for each other. Their love for the body of Christ is increasing. If you're taking notes this morning, this word increasing here in verse 3 in the Greek, it literally means to superabound or to multiply. To superabound or to multiply. And so this is the picture of what's taking place. People are coming into community with each other. People are getting to know one another. And what's taking place is that love is beginning to multiply. It's not staying set within a small clique or a small group within the church. What's happening is the entire group, the entire body. I mentioned a few moments ago, not only the person next to you that you know, but your love is increasing, it's multiplying, even for the person across the room that you've only heard about, or maybe you've only had a small conversation with. It's multiplying, it's increasing, it's super abounding. And Paul, obviously, as he gets this word, as he finds this out, it just encourages him. It encourages him to the point that after receiving the word, he then puts pen to paper and writes a letter back with this encouragement. Now, as we get into our text this morning, there's another thing that I feel like we need to make mention of before we go any further. We're not given many details about what exactly it looked like for their love to increase. Well, we're not given any particulars or, or testimonies or stories of where, man, check this out, so-and-so and so-and-so. We're not given that. But one clue we are given is in verse 4. Take a look at it with me. And we mentioned this clue last Sunday morning as well. At the end of verse 4, it says that there were persecutions and afflictions that this church was enduring. So in the midst of persecution, in the midst of affliction, this church is not only growing in faith, this church is growing or increasing in love. It's interesting to me, the type of environments where people grow. We mentioned last week, you would think that a hostile environment would not be the most beneficial place. It wouldn't be exactly the hot spot for people growing in their faith. And yet that's exactly what was happening. Now you would also think that people growing in their connection, their togetherness, you would think that maybe it wouldn't really be accommodating to love growing, afflictions, and persecutions. You wouldn't think that that environment would be a unifier, but that's exactly what was taking place. You see, as they were going through this together, persecution, 
as they were going through it together, affliction, as they were suffering together, as they were going through hardship together, what it did was it brought people closer. It deepened the relationships. Some of you have maybe experienced this with someone else. There's something about hardship that brings people closer together. There's something about pain that brings people closer together. And there's something about having opposition that unifies a group of people. And that's exactly what was taking place in the church. Hardship, we come together. Affliction, let's, get, let's crowd in together. Opposition, oh, we have each other's back. And that's the word that Paul gets. Their love for each other is growing. Their love for each other is multiplying. Now, what does growing in love look like? To help illustrate it, I want to go back to some of the alternative titles that I gave you a moment ago. Growing in love looks like growing in community. What I mean by this is growing in love with each other and, and as a family, it's growing in community. It's finding your place in the body of Christ. Finding that place where you can take your family and say, we are going to plant ourselves right here. Right here. This spot right here, this community, this group, this body of believers, this is a place where I am going to take myself, I'm going to take my marriage, I'm going to take my kids. We are going to plant ourselves right here because it is a place, it's an environment where I can grow. Growing in love also looks like growing in togetherness. Togetherness. It looks like you and I coming together it looks like other families coming together. It looks like people finding a common place together where they can grow in Christ. And growing in love looks like growing in fellowship. We hear this word fellowship all the time. And what I want to do this morning during the rest of our time together is I want to take this word fellowship and I want to help each and every one of us through God's word sort of gain a firm grasp of this topic. What does it mean? What does God's word mean when it uses the word fellowship? If you're taking notes this morning, this word fellowship in the New Testament, it's a word that we've all heard before. It's the word koinonia. And this word koinonia in the New Testament in the Greek, it literally speaks of communion, partnership, or sharing in communion partnership or sharing in now if you're like me when you're trying to figure something out or trying to figure out what something is sometimes it's helpful to look at what something is not and so you start to eliminate things well well i'm trying to figure out what it is but let's eliminate what it's not if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. This, these are things that fellowship is not. Number one, spiritual fellowship is not a set of activities that people participate in. Spiritual fellowship is not a set of activities that people participate in. 
So often when you hear the word fellowship, it's usually associated to an activity, right? We're going to have a home fellowship. Or we're going to have a beach fellowship. Or we're going to do this or that. And usually the fellowship revolves around the activity. Let me say this this morning. We may find fellowship at an activity. Or we may find fellowship by participating in an event. But true spiritual fellowship is not a set activities. Number two this morning, if you're taking notes, would you write this down? Spiritual fellowship is not a program. Spiritual fellowship is not a program. It's not, okay, if somebody can develop something for me to get involved in, then I somehow have fellowship. Fellowship is not a program. But let me also say this this morning, although a Christian program may stimulate fellowship, you see, a program can be developed, and by you attending it, that program can stimulate fellowship, but true spiritual fellowship is not, hey, let's get a program together and see if people will get closer. Number three this morning, spiritual fellowship is not isolated to a particular place. Spiritual fellowship is not isolated to a particular place. Although sometimes fellowship can be found in places we go or things we attend or gatherings that happen. So if fellowship is not an activity, if it's not a program, if it's not a place, what is true spiritual fellowship? Would you turn with me over to 1 John chapter 1 this morning? 1 John chapter 1, there toward the back of your Bible right before the book of Revelation, 1 John chapter 1. What is true spiritual fellowship? All right, as we're reading through 1 John chapter 1, one of the things I want to encourage you to do is have your pen, pencil, highlighter ready, because every time we come across the word fellowship, I want you to underline it, highlight it, circle it. So let's start reading verse 1 together. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested and we've seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. Verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. That you also may have, here's the word, fellowship with us. Underline that, circle that. It says, and truly our fellowship, underline that one again, is with the Father and with this Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Verse 5, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have, here's the word, fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
How many times did we underline or circle the word fellowship? Was it four or five? Four. Four times here in our text, we see this word fellowship or koinonia mentioned. Now, here in verses 1 through 7, here in 1 John chapter 1, there are two types of fellowship or two uses of the word fellowship that's being taught or mentioned. Number one, first way that the word fellowship is mentioned, number one, is that there's fellowship between believers. And so we talked about what fellowship is not. What fellowship is, is fellowship is between believers. And so it's not activity, it's not program, it's not place, but it's between believers. Take a look at verse 3. Go back with me. It says that you may also have fellowship with us. And so John is writing and he's saying fellowship takes place between believers. Now jump with me over to verse 7 this morning. It also says that we have fellowship with who? With one another. And so we see that God's word clearly defines fellowship as something that takes place between believers. Now, number two this morning, if you're taking notes, would you write this down? There's a fellowship. Fellowship is also between a believer and God. Fellowship is between a believer and God. Go back with me to verse three. And we're going to kind of start this right here to kind of launch the point that we're trying to make this morning. In verse 3, it says, Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so true, genuine, real, authentic fellowship is not limited to a, to a place, it's not limited to an activity. Genuine fellowship starts in our relationship with God. It starts in our relationship with His Son, it says, Jesus Christ. And so let's, make, let's kind of work our way backward this morning. Let's start with our second point, and then we'll go back to our first point. Let's start with number two this morning real quick. Fellowship True fellowship, true spiritual fellowship is between a believer and God. Notice in verses 1, 2, and 3 this morning that within that fellowship with God, the entire relationship is centered on one word. There's a word that's repeated a few times in verses 1, 2, and 3, and that word is life. That word is life. Go back to verse 1 again. John opens up his writing by saying, That which was from the beginning, speaking of Jesus, the one who was from the beginning, which we've heard. John says, I spent time with Jesus. I heard him. I was with them. I heard him. He says, which we have seen with our eyes. He speaks of his relationship with Christ, having seen him. And then he says, which we've looked upon. And this word looked here, it's not just I, I'm looking or eye contact. It has to do with studying. 
He says, one who I've studied. He says, I've, I've been with Jesus and I've studied Jesus. I've observed Jesus. I've been that close to him that I've, I've been able to see. I've been able to look upon him. I've been able to study who he is. And see that he's the Christ. See that he's the Messiah. See that he's the Savior of the world. And then notice at the end of verse 1, he says, And our hands have handled. He says, I've, I, 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 I've had a close enough relationship with Jesus that I've been able to touch him. I've been able to get close to him. I've been able to be elbow to elbow with him in ministry. In verse 1, John describes what it looks like, what it means to have a relationship with Christ. You hear him. You see him. You get to know him. You have intimacy with him. He says, notice the end of verse 1. He says, all these things are concerning the word of life. He refers to Christ as the word of life. If you didn't underline it, would you underline that word life? And then in verse 2, he says, the life was manifested. Christ, the one who is our life, he was manifested. He says, and we've seen, and we've bared witness, and we declare to you, and here goes the word again, that eternal life was with the Father, and eternal life was manifested to us. He says in verse 3, that which we've seen and heard, we declare to you. And so one of John's reasons for writing this letter was to declare truth. It was to declare that man, because he had been and he'd gone through it himself, he'd experienced himself, that man can have a relationship with God. That man can have a relationship, verse 1, with the word of life. That man can have a relationship with the one who is life and was manifested. And that man can have a relationship with the one who gives, verse 2, eternal life. He says, I'm writing these things to you so that you can understand simply what life is all about. This is what true life looks like. And then notice there in verse 4, look at it with me real quickly this morning. He says, these things I also write to you. I write to you because I want you to know what life looks like and who the word of life is. But I also, verse 4, write to you that your joy may be full. So let's throw out a definition. Let's be very concise this morning with what true fellowship with God is. If you're taking notes this morning, would you write this down? Let's define it. True fellowship with God is the life of God in the soul of man that produces joy. I'm going to repeat this for you. True fellowship with God is the life of God in the soul of man producing joy. True fellowship with God is getting to know God. Getting to know that He is the God of life. Getting to know that He is eternal life. Getting to know Him 
And not just getting to know him, if you were with us a few weeks ago, based on facts and information, and man, I know a few Bible verses, but getting to know him intimately, getting to know him truly, not just knowledge of God, not just facts about God, but getting to know him, falling in love with him, having the light of the, the life of God in your soul. Having the life of God encompassing all that you are. Having the life of God taking over completely. And your life, as it says in Colossians, now being hidden in Christ. True fellowship with God is the life of God in the soul of man. And what does it produce? It produces joy. It doesn't produce, oh man, God's taken over. Oh man, here comes God taking away everything that my flesh really loves. It's God coming into my life, into my soul, taking over. And it being such a joyous event. And living such a joyful life. Because the life of God is in my soul. You see, that's, that's what John's describing as true fellowship with God. Getting to know him intimately. Now, let me say this this morning before we go any further. I believe that God's word is very clear that we will never experience true fellowship with each other until we experience true fellowship with him. We can, we can have moments together. We can make memories together. We could go on vacations together and take pictures together and post things together and tag each other. But what God in his word describes is true fellowship can never be experienced without you and I first having true fellowship with him. That's why God's word is very clear on the company that we're to keep. That's why God's word is very clear about who the believer is to marry. Because we've seen marriages, we've seen relationships, we've seen partnerships where there is no fellowship with God and it's just a quick rush into let's try and make something happen between man and it doesn't work. It's a faulty foundation. I hope this guy that I'm about to talk about never listens to this message, but there's a guy that I'm coaching with right now in our Little League team, my assistant coach. Not DJ, by the way, okay? But I, I coached Nathan's Little League team, and I have an assistant coach. I didn't handpick him. He was given to me or assigned to me. And, man, we can't be many more different. And so all of our losing, I blame on him, by the way, but... We're not, we don't have a good team this year, but him and I, it's, just, it's a rough relationship. I mean, we are, we are just, we're not on the same page. Our, our personality is very different. In fact, it's interesting. The reason I got into coaching Little League was because my son was on his team three years ago, and I thought he was horrible. 
And I thought, I could, I could watch YouTube videos and be a better coach than that guy. And so what did I do? I became a YouTube Little League coach, you know? And so I'm literally, I literally studied drills and looked this thing up. And I'm like, I could do a better job than that guy. So anyway, so he took a couple of years off. I took over his team. And this year, the guy from the league calls and says, hey, I'm going to give you Coach Blah Blah as your assistant. I go, no, that's the exact guy I, I don't want to be. I, I don't want to run. And, and I'll be honest with you, we've been trying to make this partnership work for the past month, and it's been rough. It's been difficult because it's my team, but it used to be his team. And so now he's come in like, I'm back for my team. But I'm looking, I'm like, no, but it's my team. And he's like, but it's our team. And I don't know, but it's my team. And, and it's just this ongoing, like, battle of, of masculinity. Because, you know, I got a whole lot of that, you know. And, and so we're, like, going back and forth, just battling the way we talk, the way we communicate, the way we, the way we talk to our players. It's completely different. And I'll be honest with you, something has to change in the next week or a couple of weeks because the results are not happening. Because ultimately, we're there for who? Ourselves. No, no, no. We're, 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 we're there to prove who the head coach is. No, we're there, obviously, for the kids. And it's been this big mess of a relationship. And it wasn't until the other night we, I, I, we're 0-5 right now, all his fault. And we decided we were going to take the kids out for pizza, even though they didn't deserve it. And so we had a pizza night the other night. And it's interesting because through pizza night, the Lord kind of started to show me why he had me there. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, the past month has been miserable trying to work with this guy, and yet at pizza night, the Lord's like, let me show you this parent. Let me give you insight into this family. Let me give you insight even into your own assistant coach. It's, we have 14 players on our team. Out of the 14 players, only myself and Christina and one other couple are married. And so 12 of the boys on there their parents aren't together. And so Christina's talking to moms that hate the dads across the pizza the table. And I'm talking to the dads who's telling me the story about why his marriage broke up seven years ago. I mean, and those are the kind of conversations we're having at pizza. And the Lord started to show me, let him coach the kids. Especially if you guys go 0 and 10, you can blame it on him too. Like, like let, <laughs> let, I have you here for more than just some baseball fundamentals. And at the end of the night, my enemy, my coach, we're sitting across the table, and he actually started to talk. He started to open up. And for the first time in a month, in a month and a half, we actually had a civil conversation as men, as adults. And it was within that moment that the Lord showed me, you're here for so much more than baseball. You're here for so much more than to see little boys improve in their little league skills. Some of you might be saying, those of you that are super aggressive and, and super, you know, you have that winning mentality. Yeah, you sound like a coach who um, doesn't win. But anyways, 
the Lord, the Lord showed me I'm here for so much more than winning. Yeah, loser. Okay, but, but the Lord really started to show me, you know, even in this, you're still a pastor. You're still a Christian. You're still a believer. You're still a light. The reason I share all that with you is, number one, in case you heard that my team's not winning, I want to let you know whose fault it was. But number two, I also share that with you guys this morning because I am currently, at least for the next two months, in a relationship with someone where the foundation isn't in the Lord, where there's a heavy part of it where God is, doesn't exist in it. And it is difficult. It's difficult. And so you can take that same sort of example and put it maybe with some of your family, where you just you try to make it work, and yet when one side doesn't have the Lord, it is hard. You can take that example and put it within a marriage and try and see someone who's on fire in love with the Lord, and then they try and force something to happen that maybe wasn't from the Lord with someone that has no relationship with the Lord, and you look and you're like, it's hard. It's hard. And what we see here is that true spiritual fellowship with each other and true spiritual fellowship in its most purest and beautiful form can only take place if both sides have been reconciled to Christ, have a relationship with Christ, and are experiencing and living in true fellowship with God. And then you take the two and God does something beautiful. Number two this morning, real quickly. True fellowship with each other. Let's define it real quickly. That's what we're talking about this morning, right? Growing in love with each other, increasing our love for one another, true fellowship with each other. True fellowship, if you're taking notes, with each other is this. Sharing the life of God with our, with our fellow brethren and that life producing joy. Let me repeat that. True fellowship with each other is sharing the life of God with our fellow brethren, and that life producing joy. Go back to our text real quick this morning. Start with me in verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, start with me in verse 5. It says, this is the message we've heard from him and declared to you. That God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so here we see very clearly, if we claim, hey, I know what fellowship is, I know what true fellowship is. It's relationship with God, and yet we're walking in darkness. Our lives are full of things that do not please God and full of flesh. It says we lie and we do not practice the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This is what happens. This is what true fellowship looks like. It looks like me 
making a decision to have true fellowship with God and walk in the light. It means you, on this side, having a relationship with God and making a decision to walk in true fellowship and to walk in light. And then all of a sudden, as both sides, both parties, both individuals are making the decision to live the same life, a life that is pleasing to God, what happens? There's fellowship with each other. Because this is working, this is working. I don't know if you guys know, but I got involved in pastoral ministry when I was, well, I was pretty young. I got thrown in there when I was about 21 years old. And so I remember, you know, there being times where I was 21, I was still single at the time, and I remember my pastor saying, well, if you're going to be in the position, you got to be ready to counsel anybody that walks through the door. And so sometimes people would come to church and they'd want biblical counseling. And I would get called up and I'm like, I'm 21 years old. I'm a kid. You know, I mean, I, I, I came to play with junior hires, not like talk to real people, you know, adults and stuff about problems. And so I remember my first time going and getting the call. I was so nervous. They said, Randolph, there's a, a mother and daughter here who need some Christian counseling, and so can you meet with them? And so I, I went back to my Catholic ways, and I'm, like, I'm just like, okay. And so I walk up, and they're waiting for me in the little counseling room, and they went in, and I walk in, and it's a 70-year-old mom with her 40-year-old daughter. And I'm the 21-year-old pastor, and I walk in, I'm like, hi, guys, I'm here to counsel you. And I, I just remember feeling so inadequate. Like, what am I, and, and they told me it was a mother with their child, so I was thinking it was like, you know, a 30-year-old with a 10-year-old, but I felt so inadequate thinking, what, am, what do I have to offer them? You know, what am I going to share with them? And so I remember sitting down and, you know, talking to them, and then I remember at the end of the conversation feeling like, man, I just blew it, I don't know what to do, I, that was horrible, that was miserable, and then eventually I got married, and then they start throwing me into the marital ones. You know, I was 23, freshly married. Oh, we got, now we can use you for marriage count. And I remember going in there, walking into these rooms where <clears throat> husband and wives are like on the brink of divorce. I'm 23 years old thinking, what am I doing here talking to them? And it's interesting though, after years of doing that, <coughs> I remember there always came a point where every couple had the same problem. And this is why I share this with you this morning. It didn't matter who the couple was in front of me. It didn't matter if they'd been married for 10 years, 2 years, or 50 years. Every couple that sits in front of you, whether husband and wife, siblings, friends, whatever it is, they all have the same problem. And it always went back to this. They would show up and they would say, fix this. And everybody would point at each other. He'd point at her, she'd point at them, fix this. When in reality, the problem wasn't this. What was the problem? It was this. It was always 
fix them, fix each other, fix. And, you, and, and it always got to the point where we had to stop and say, okay, we're not going to talk about each other. We're not going to talk about why this isn't working with each other. We need to figure out what happened here first. No, fix this. No, we got to talk about this first. And people would leave mad. Like, I came so that you can tell him how horrible he is. And, I came, and I'm like, no, we're not, I'm not going to talk. We're going to talk about this, your relationship with God. You see, that's the problem. Everybody wants to figure out what's wrong with each other. When the reality is it's, hey, what's up with me and God? Because true fellowship this way with each other can never truly exist if the fellowship this way is falling apart. And so let's close with this this morning. You might say, man, I want this. I want fellowship with each other. Well, let me ask you, how's this, how's this going? How's your relationship with God going? How's the fellowship this way before we can talk about it this way? You guys can close your Bibles. We're done this morning. It's interesting that for the past 10 years or so, one of the most popular terms in Christianity has been the word community, right? I mean, that's what everybody talks about. I, I, I want community. I'm looking for community. And people bounce around from church to church trying to look for community. That's, it's like the buzzword of, of Christianity, community. But let me say something real quick. Community starts this way. You see, if you show up here trying to find it this way, but this way is all messed up, you're going to mess up our community. You see, don't, don't be bringing your bad community this way into this community, thinking, man, I'll do, I want some community, uh, walking in darkness. It's like, no, 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 no. You want true community? Walk with the Lord. Walk in the light. Walk in fellowship with him. As you're doing this, God is going to surround you this way with like-minded people within your community, within your church community, within your community circle. But it starts this way. And so we're going to pray right now. And my prayer for each and every one of us this morning is that we would grow in fellowship we would grow in fellowship with our God first, foremost, priority number one. And that as we grow in our fellowship with him, that we'd grow in our fellowship with each other. Amen. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that when we need things to find, when we need clarity on subjects and topics, that God, we can turn to your word. And that your word has all the answers. Your word has clarity on those things we don't understand. And God, I pray this morning that you would take each and every one of us here. And that, Father, we would grow in love. That we would grow in togetherness. That we would grow in community with each other. 
But Father, I pray that the fellowship that we so desire, the fellowship that we crave, that it would start in our fellowship with you. That it would start in our relationship with you. That it would start and begin with the life of God coming into our soul, coming into the soul of man. That it would start in that relationship. And so, God, I just, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time that you've given to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would help each and every one of us by your spirit to continue to grow in you. Lord, we're excited. I'm excited for next week. I pray that it would just be such a wonderful and glorious time. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to say it one more time. Mark your calendar. Please be here next week. Please come back. And please share, partner with what God's doing. Amen. And let's eat some ribs. Let's worship the Lord.